Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Praise the Lord. Uh, let's stand to our feet and open a prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for um, your glory. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for just for you being you, Lord God, in our lives and how you love us and how you're showing us from day to day that we need you even more. And Lord, in that we pray that you're teaching us that the world even needs you even greater um, so that we pray that we're vessels that are able to go out into the world and be a light. And they will see you, your glory, uh, through us, Lord God, and want to know you in a real way. We thank you and we bless you for all that you're doing, all that you're yet to do, and all the struggles and problems and trials that we go through, Lord God. We thank you for that because um, it may not be good to us, uh, but we know that it is good for us to strengthen us and to grow us up and to be mature children of God. We just thank you and we bless you. We thank you for this word. We pray that it falls on good ground, that our hearts are open and our ears are attentive to what you have to say and that your people will leave here blessed and changed and wanting to do great works in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, You may take your seats. Um, We are still in... (laughs) Uh, Matthew, and we are coming to an end of the Sermon on the Mount. I think I may have maybe two more messages, two or three more. Um, we may do a recap, so maybe three more, but um, <laughs> we're in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, looking at verse uh, 13. The narrow gate, the title is this, The Narrow Gate, The Road Less Traveled. The Narrow Gate, The, the Road Less Traveled. Um, you know, at home I take off my glasses all the time. Uh, quick story. So I went and got new glasses maybe two, several months ago. I have these for a little while now. Uh, and I went in knowing that I did not want bifocals. So I went in and said, I don't want bifocals when I know I need them. And it's more apparent now that I'm sitting here looking at these small words that I need bifocals because it's like, I can't see them. Uh, so all this is blurry. If it's not a 16 or 18 font, I can't see it. The close up. I can see you guys fine. So anyway, if, if I struggle to read like this, it's because I need bifocals. But I refuse to get them because I'm not old enough yet. Um, <laughs> so that's my, my story on sticking to it. My doctor was like, hey. You'll get tired of taking your glasses on and off at some point, and you will come back and say, give me those bifocals. Uh, maybe next year. We'll see. <laughs> right now, I'll just suffer through it. Uh, so the narrow gate, the road less traveled. Uh, verse 13, it says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So, uh, this is a good word. This is, this is a, a tough word for me this week, uh, in the past few weeks, but uh, just kind of 
we are left with a decision to make. And we're going to choose whether we go through the narrow gate or through the wide gate. And the Jews thought at this time when Jesus was preaching this that um, they were good because they were descendants of Abraham. There were no gates for them to go through because we're already marked by the covenant of Abraham. We belong. We are the children of God. We belong. Who is this gate for and why is he teaching this? And and so uh, Jesus is abundantly clear that physical lineage and submission to ceremonial rites does not give you license to enter into the kingdom of God. He's talked about this throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that this is not about how, why you're a descendant or who you belong to or your birthright. No, there are other things that must happen. There must be a change in your heart for you to enter into the kingdom of God. And at that time, that was a radical word for the Jews at that time because they were so used to saying, oh, well, we're, we're good. We're, we belong. We have uh, lineage. We belong. But Jesus is teaching a new word. It says, you know, you have to change your heart in, in various times in the Sermon on the Mount and even now. There's a decision that these children of God, the people who were following Jesus at that time, had to make. Whether they were going to choose this narrow gate or choose this, choose this broad gate. And this isn't a new teaching. Um, Joel, the prophet in the valley of decision, said there's a multitude uh, multitudes in the valley of decisions, Joel 3.14. Joel 3, so there's a multitude of decisions in that valley that you have to make. Uh, throughout the scripture, God is constantly taking his people to a point of decision, to a point in which they need to make a commitment one way or the other. In the Garden of Eden, God set forth the tree of good and evil, of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you shall not eat of this tree, but for the day you eat, you shall surely die. They had a decision to make. Right? Either the tree or not either the tree. In Deuteronomy, Moses set before them the whole law for the second time in Deuteronomy 13. and says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. And this day I call heaven and earth against you, and I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Now choose life. So he's telling you, you have a decision. I want you to choose life, but you could choose death if you so choose. Uh, Joshua, not the Joshua here, but <laughs> Joshua in the Bible says, uh, I had led the tribes through all their conquests, one after another. He called everyone uh, together at Shechem. And Joshua said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served be Yon the river or the gods of the Amorites whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is Joshua 24. So again, he's, this is not a new message that Jesus is teaching. Um, but it's, it's, the children of Israel hadn't got this message. <laughs> they, they, they've, they've been confronted with this message several times. And even now Jesus is confronting them with this message again. You have a choice. Elijah gathered the men together, this time at the Mount Carmel, along with the prophets of Baal and the people of Israel. And this is in 1 Kings 18. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver? How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. Again, they have a choice. Who are you going to follow? You're going to follow God or you're going to follow Baal? 
And then finally in John 6, Jesus wanted to weed out the true believers from their mere followers for those who were just interested in seeing the miracles or maybe just getting some bread or fish. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not, you will no life, you will have no life in yourselves. And this is John 6, 53 through 69. Let's turn to that right quick, actually, because um, I want to dig into that a little bit. John 6, 53 through 69. It says, uh, Jesus, oh yeah, let me turn there myself. So Jesus is, is presented to them in this uh, discourse in John 6, 53 through 69. He's saying, which is something radical, he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Now, if you had heard that for the first time, you'd be like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? <laughs> Sound like cannibalism, right? And I'm sure those Jews at that time said, wow, this is, this is crazy. And you'll see here, and it's titled in mind, Many Disciples Desert Jesus. Because at that time, therefore, after they heard, disciples heard this, after they heard him say, um, let me go back up, Ashley. 56, let me start at 56. Uh, the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I, be, I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like manna your fathers ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. And he said these things while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. And in verse, uh, verse 6 it says, Therefore, when many of his disciples, these were many people who were already following Jesus at that time and were considered his disciples, heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The word that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some among you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who would not believe. And who would betray him? He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. This is a hard word. Many of them was like, this is, this is difficult to hear. And many of you may hear this word and say, this is difficult to hear. That I have to make a choice. That I can't go between the world and I just can't do church on Sunday. And once I leave the doors, then I can live a righteous life. <laughs> or I can do what I want to do. It may be difficult to hear. It may be difficult to understand. But Jesus is saying, you choose this day. Now, Jesus, with the Sermon on the Mount, is giving people the same decision, the narrow gate or the wide gate. No matter how it's packaged, the choice is still the same, me or not. <laughs> are you going to choose me or are you not going to choose me? Now, we were faced with many decisions in life. Some of you decided to wake up this morning. <laughs> All of you decided to wake up this morning and decided to come to church. And I, uh, I, I hope you don't regret your decision. 
Um, and then <laughs> uh, you decided to drive in your vehicles when you came here. You decided a certain way or decision what path you were going to make your way to church. You decided to stop at the stop sign because you didn't have to, right, or the stoplight. You could have chose not to. That would have been dangerous. Uh, but you could have said, I'm not going to stop at this stop stoplight stop and keep going. Um, you, start, you, you decided to follow the directions of the, the road. Some of you decided to eat breakfast, right? There's the decisions some of you haven't, and you might be starving once you leave here. Uh, some of you decided to wake up early and pray, and some of you decided to wake up at 10, 15 and throw on some clothes and rush to church, right? Those are all decisions that we've had to make throughout today, just today. And so we were faced with many, many decisions throughout our day. And some hold some weight. And some are just kind of are less important, I would say. Some are less important decisions. What, what you wore today may be of lesser importance than the message or the a reading of the word. Right? And, but some decisions do hold some weight. And this decision is a, is a pivotal decision that we all must make throughout our lives. At some point in your journey, you will be met with a choice. And I remembered uh, this poem, and I looked it up, so I didn't know it by heart. But I knew that uh, uh, Robert Frost had a poem called The Road Not Taken. If you're familiar with that, um, I'm going to read it since I printed it out. <laughs> uh, the Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And this is something we probably, you, you may have learned in middle or high school. Uh, I thought it was a pretty neat poem. I remember, uh, remember some of it. And it says, Two roads diverge. In a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted to wear. Though as for the passing there had worn, they're really about the same. So you're saying that. Up until then, the wear was the same on this trail, but now he has this, this two paths, and one looks more well-worn than the other. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Taking the road less traveled by, Robert Frost. And so I pose you to this question. Are you going to choose the road less traveled? Are you going to choose the road less traveled? Narrow gate versus wide gate. When we're looking at the road less travel, we're going to look at the narrow gate versus the wide gate. In the passage of Scripture in uh, verse 13, it says, enter by the narrow gate. So the writer here is telling us the answer. (laughs) But you still have a choice. But he's telling you, enter through the narrow gate. This is where he wants you to go. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And so he's saying, you don't want to, Jesus is saying, you don't want to go through destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The wide gate, 
It's broad, similar to a street. The wide gate is easily followed due to natural flow of life and our need to appease others around us. It's our nature to go along with everyone else and to try to get along with everyone else. And so sometimes we find ourselves just going with the flow. It's easy to go with the flow. I was hiking with a buddy, uh, once again, in the woods, uh, looking for mushrooms, and um, on the Blue Ridge Parkway. And it was, I was following behind him, and so it was easy. I, I, we looked for the path because it was grass and briars and things, and I had on shorts, and I didn't want to get my legs all scraped up going through the thicket underbrush, so I looked for the path. And so I was following him, and I really wasn't, uh, I realized when I was following him, I was like, man, I, he's going through some rough stuff. Why am I following him just to go through this rough stuff? I can choose to go through a different path. I'm looking for the, the clear path at this in this moment. And it reminded, reminded me, because I'm preparing for my message, and I reminded me, I was like, oh, I'm just following him because it's easy to just follow behind the person in front of you. And it requires you not to think. I didn't have to think about it because I was just following him. So I didn't have to scan around. I was looking for snakes. I didn't want to, like, disturb anything. That was only my thinking. Uh, <laughs> but um, I really wasn't thinking about, you know, what he was going through until it, like, I got a couple, the grass was getting high and thick. And I was like, there's a clear path over here. Why aren't we going that way? So then I would go to get over. And he would stay. And then he was, I think he would see that I was over on the clear path. And he would get over. And then I would stay behind him for a little while. Then it would get thick again. And so there's this constant kind of moving. And when I was aware of it, I became conscious, hey, I need to uh, follow the clear path. But because you follow the clear path, the reason I followed the clear path is because it's easier. It was well-traveled. It was worn down. There weren't a lot of things to disturb my flow. I can get there easier. And it would be more difficult to go in the path where there's a lot of grass. You can't even see a path a lot of times. Sometimes you went went off on areas where there were no path. Um, And so in life, we come upon areas in our lives or times in our lives where it's easy to go with the flow. Which is follow what everyone else is doing. Don't cause any problems. It's easy to do that. It is our nature to go along the well-traveled road. Like, if you don't have four-wheel drive, many of you are not going to go down a dirt road with a bunch of bumps and hills and gullies. And even if you do, sometimes you just don't. That's not the well-worn path that we're used to. We want the paved streets, right? The newly paved is even better when it's smooth and don't have any bumps. Like, hey, I love driving on new roads, right? <laughs> that's our nature. We want that easy path. Narrow, some versions of it call it small means straight and small, closely defined path God ordains to travel on to gain his approval. Small, closely defined path. So broad was the street. So broad, they defined it as a street. But narrow or small is a path, which is indicative of just definitely smaller uh, way of travel. In my version, and I, I, have, I use the New King James Version, it says difficult. Uh, some versions just say narrow when it talks about, uh, and there may be, uh, because uh, narrow is the gate and difficult. And some versions say narrow is the gate and narrow is the way. Um, 
but narrow and difficult can, there's a Greek word, it's called thalabo, uh, means to press and afflict. So this narrow or this difficult means to press and afflict, to make narrow, to pressure, to put pressure upon, to persecute, to press hard. So it's an outward pressing, like someone is pressing hard when you choose the narrow gate. It's not easy. Uh, even in uh, some versions said, it's like when circumstances rub us the wrong way that make us feel confined and him in. We feel restricted or narrow. So choosing the narrow gate automatically means, because this is the word, it says it's going to be difficult. Who said that when you got saved that life would be easy? <laughs> it says you're going to be persecuted. Even Jesus made that very clear. Because he was. And the people will not like you because you follow Christ. But this narrowing, this persecution, you will be pressed upon. You will be rubbed the wrong way. How many of us like being rubbed the wrong way? No one does, right? Who? And that is why we tend not to choose the narrow gate. No one wants to be rubbed the wrong way. And when that happens, a lot of times... We get out of that situation so that we won't be rubbed the wrong way. I don't like being restricted. I don't want to be narrowed in place. But that narrowing leads to life. Zoe, life, both physical and spiritual existence. This Zoe life only comes from and sustained by God and God alone. It is not the life that I live now. It includes that, but it is the life that I will live with him in heaven. The, or, the Lord intimately, intimately shares his gift of life with people created in his image, but gives all the capacity to know him in the eternal life as well. He intimately wants to, when we choose to intimately be with him in this life, we will also intimately be with him in eternal life. It's, it's funny. Um, I was reading something just studying for this, and there was, was a lot, but something stood out in that we as Christians or in Christendom, we rarely talk about hell, but we talk about heaven a lot. And um, you rarely hear someone saying, you know, they're going to go to hell. And I'm not saying that we know an, an, an individual's heart um, and we should condemn people to hell. But uh, you know them by the fruit that they bear. And so a lot of times, especially in funerals, uh, everyone's going to heaven when you die. And no one speaks bad about anyone at a funeral because everyone, they, they attended such and such a church or they got baptized when they were 12 and, you know, we know they're going to heaven. That's, that's not the case. That's not true. And the world sees that and hears that and thinks, well, all I have to do is attend church. All I have to do is have a membership. And I've talked to some people like, oh, I have a membership. I haven't been to church since uh, 2010, but I have membership at such a church. That doesn't secure your, <laughs> your place in heaven. <laughs> that, that is not entering the narrow gate. That's the broad gate. That's the, oh, we can accept everything and we can live any kind of way and Christ is going to accept us and forgive us and we're going to be okay. He will, but he 
wants us to be holy and press into holiness. So we can't uh, deceive people into thinking that any way of living is acceptable to Christ. Any way of living is not acceptable to Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that Christ won't accept you where you are. <laughs> he will accept where you are in your with any way of living. But his desire and will is to change your life, not to leave you the way you are. He loves you too much to leave you to where you are. It is his desire to change you. So it's not okay to just say, I'm okay with staying where I am. No. That's not biblical. It's okay to come to him where you are. But the expectation is that he's going to change you. He's going uh, to want you to choose the narrow gate. When the pressures of life hit you, when circumstances come your way, it is not always the enemy. It is his doing because he wants to choke the life out of you. <laughs> right? <laughs> he wants to choke the life out of you because he wants you to, and we'll get into that a little bit in a minute, uh, but we must die so that he can live. Uh, so we have this Zoe life, and only a few find it, that few, small in number, and you finding life, meaning I find, learn, discover, especially searching after it. So it says here, this is not a gate that you're going to, it's going to come out to you or automatically reappear to you. You're going to have to search for this gate. That means you're going to have to choose to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to choose to be in situations that rub you the wrong way, that stretch you a little bit, stretches your faith, that changes your mind, that makes you uncomfortable, that you may be seen as a spooky person at work. <laughs> You're going to have to be willing to be uncomfortable or be in uncomfortable situations so that he changes you. That is the narrowing of that gate. Uh, the narrow gate requires you to check your bags. So the four things the narrow gate is going to require. It requires you to check your bag. You can't carry a whole lot through those turnstiles. You can't, you know, we have our luggage or whatever, and they have those. I don't think they have them a whole lot now, but I know in subways in New York, they have those turnstiles where you have to kind of go through. You can't carry a whole lot of stuff through that, right? You have to kind of take off some stuff and get through it, and then maybe someone can pass it over. God doesn't want you to pass over anything. He wants you to get rid of it. Check your bags. Never to get them again. <laughs> you can't take your baggage, your earthly possessions, your sin, your idols, to the narrow gate. You can't take it. And, and you will try to sometimes, and then it will get even narrower, and you will have to take some stuff off to get to walk this journey. So you have to check your bags. You're going to have to deny and die. Uh, Matthew 16, 24, 26 says, And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That, not, that deny means to disown, to repudiate. You mean to disown yourself. How do you do that, right? How do you disown yourself? Meaning that my desires, my will has to die. I have to disown that. My old, old man has to get away from me. I have to deny that. I had to repudiate that. 
and die. I have to lose my life. So some of you may be saying what the disciples said when, when Jesus said, eat, eat my flesh and drink my blood. This is a hard word, Virgil. <laughs> this is tough. This is, this is uh, where the rubber meets the road. Where you have to make some tough decisions about who you're going to serve and how you're going to serve him. Um, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You, we, we have some value in our souls, y'all. <laughs> what would profit you to gain the whole world, Jesus said, if you lose your soul? It means nothing. You will die in the end. But our God is sufficient so that we can deny and die. You will feel alone sometimes. So you, will, you need to check your bags on the narrow gate. So when, when you are confronted with this narrow gate, when you find it, check your bags. Be ready to deny yourself and die to yourself. Be ready to sometimes feel alone. But remember that God is with us. He is Emmanuel. He's with us. And you have to look for it. Like I said before, it says, um, it says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. And they don't say they look for it. There's many who go in by it. And so I wonder, how did they go in by it? Well, just like I was following my buddy when we were out in the woods, they were just following people. They didn't have to make a decision. I don't even know if they made a decision. They obviously made a decision. But they just was following the crowd, and they went in by that gate because everyone else was going that way. But it says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So that requires us to be looking. The other didn't say that they had to find it. They didn't they just say they went in it. They probably saw hundred other people going that way, and they say, hey, I'm going to just go on that way as well. But we have to look for the narrow gate. The scripture says very plainly, we must search for it. Maybe we missed it, but at the very end of the verse it says that small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. What only a few find it. What does that imply? You have searched for it. Asking it will be given. Seeking you will find. There's a searching for the true gate. You're looking for something. You're looking for salvation from sin. You're looking for true purpose in your life. You're looking for security after death. You're looking for things that only Jesus Christ can give you. But you must search for them. They just don't happen. They just don't appear. There must be a hungering and a thirst for righteousness. If not, we're going to take that baggage with us. And we're going to be in the wide, broad gate, and we're going to think we're okay. And sometimes that baggage is a, is a crutch. It's what we lean on. It's what we feel like we need. I have to have it, you know. And the truth of the matter is that that crutch is leading you to destruction and death. And I want you to choose life. So does Jesus. Jesus is the narrow gate. So John 10, 7 through 10, and we'll close here. 
says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door. I'm the gate of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door or gate. If anyone enters by me, enter in by that door, by that gate, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find, he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. In order for us to partake in that abundant life, we must deny and die. We must check our bags. It's going to be lonely sometimes, and we must search for it. And this is not an easy word, I know. It's not, you know, you're not going to jump up and shout or do cartwheels about this. Uh, But I do want you to be left with pondering in your heart, have you been searching for the narrow gate? And some of you may have confronted that narrow gate and said, oh, I'm not going that way. That's rough. And you may be confronted with that gate several times, you know, whether it be at your workplace and feeling like, oh, I just need to fit in. And so I just kind of do what everyone else is doing. Whether it be out in your community when you say, you know what, I'm not going to confront or, you know, try to witness or share the gospel because it makes me look strange or I feel uncomfortable The Lord is saying (laughs) he wants to rub you the wrong way, rub some stuff out of you, feel that pressure. So many times when we start to feel pressure or start to feel um, problematic or problems, we think it's the enemy. Well, this this can't be good because I feel uncomfortable in this situation. This can't be right because this is too much pressure. This is this is heavy or or they're talking about me. This is the devil. (laughs) God has said, no, it's me trying to change you to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. We realize it, it is tough to deny ourselves, to repudiate ourselves, and to die to ourselves, to our will, to our desires, and to live for you and you alone. And you may be presented with the decision even on this day. You say, you know, I don't even know you, Lord. Uh, and that is a decision that you're going to have to make. Will you accept me as your Lord and Savior? And if you haven't, then the decision is to accept him as your Lord and Savior. is to pray that, Lord, I give you my heart, my soul, and I want to live for you. And I haven't in the past. And, and, and I want to die to myself. And I want to be sold out to you. And then for the believer... You may be confronted with pressing into righteousness and holiness even more. And the saying, Lord, I know there are some things that I need to release in my life so that I can be free. There's some things that I need to get rid of in my life so that I can press into your holiness. You're challenging the believer to enter into that narrow gate even more. And I pray, Lord God, that we make wise decisions. You've shown us the way and we, may, we must choose your way. And I pray that our hearts are open and the Holy Spirit will guide us more into you and being more like you. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you for all that you're doing in this place and on this day and in our lives. Uh, We pray that you will continue to strengthen us. This this can sometimes be a lonely walk, uh, a stressful walk. There's a lot of pressure 
But Lord, we know that you're with us. You're always with us, and you're, you're there to sustain us and hold us up. And when we are weak, Lord God, that is when you are strong. So we're, we're going to stand on your word, even when the going gets tough. So we just thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.